there, and welcome to the Oxano Podcast. Oxano is a worship service for college students and young adults that takes place weekly during the school year at Dawson Family of Faith. If you're ever in Birmingham, Alabama on a Tuesday night, we hope you'll join us as we worship through song, prayer, and the word. Thanks for listening. Our scripture reader tonight is from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is the word of the Lord. Well, y'all, tonight we are going to be taking a brief detour from our coloring sheet series, and we are going to be looking together at John chapter 15, a portion of it that Sydney has just read for us, because I think a lot of us are really beginning to feel the crunch of midterms, of the exam weeks, of professors trying to cram everything in before fall breaks kind of stuff. I'm seeing some nods, right? And for us, as we are going through, I mean, I heard it put this way one time, that the school semester could be likened to that of a washing machine cycle, right? And now some of y'all, I mean, you haven't done laundry in a long time, some of the guys, and I, I hear you, I was there, right? But, you know, you put in, and they say it begins with a good soak, right, or, you know, here up tonight, and then it goes, progressively gets faster until a whirling speed and then at a very abrupt end. Right? And so we have in the flow of the semester, it can be disorienting. There's a lot of ebbs and a lot of flows as we're going through our time. And as we are nearing a midway point together, it's a great opportunity for us to recalibrate, to pull off to the side of the road a little bit, to check how things are going, and then for us to be exhorted, to be encouraged from God's word. Because, you know, I mean, the stressors are going to pile up. They're going to continue to pile up. The life circumstances are going to continue to converge at the pivot point of you. And we really, there are kind of two typical responses to these stressors or to these situations, right? Two typical responses to stressors or situations. It would be that of apathy or aggression. Apathy or aggression that you're going to see. Two typical responses to these stressors, right? So the apathetic approach is that which says, you know, I'm just going to choose to ignore what is going on right now. You know, the I can't even approach to things, right? Maybe if I ignore my problems or I ignore my to-do list or ignore my syllabi, then the problem will just go away, 
right? Or, you know, like we think about with dinosaurs, if I stand really still, it won't see me. You know, one of those things that we're going through, just this apathetic approach of, I'm not going to consider this and I'm going to distract myself with other things, right? But I'd venture to say that probably more so in this room, in this season of life, especially while you're in school, take the aggressive approach. And the aggressive approach is that which I am going to grit my teeth, I'm going to bear down, I'm going to crank it out, I'm going to get things done. And a lot of times it's done with lack of sleep and high amounts of caffeine. Am I right? And so as we're going through in this particular season that we have this aggression that we're going through and we are really feeling it and it can help, it can lead us after all this intense effort to unhealthy coping, right, or to numbing of pain. It could, we could go and we could try to self-medicate with things that aren't inherently bad, you know, TV shows, unhealthy food, but then it could lead to other things that would be uh, more bad, more inherently bad, things that are, no matter how uh, little it's destructive, like controlled substances or pornography, You see, both approaches, apathy and aggressiveness, it drives us deeper into isolation. That we are going through and we are by ourselves because we don't want other people to see how much we are not doing or we don't want to be around other people because they're distracting us from getting the stuff done, right? And then when we finally come through the seasons, then we are needing to recoup, we are needing to recalibrate and so we often self-medicate or we figure out ways to cope or to heal up on our own. We shut out everything and everyone else. And neither of these approaches, that of apathy or aggression, neither of these approaches are healthy or sustainable. And I would say that neither of them honor the Lord in how we go about doing things. And as we go through, we're figuring out there's got to be another way forward. There's got to be a different way forward. And the other way that Christ has given us is we see in John 15, that third response is the way of abiding. Is the way of abiding. Jesus calls us to abide, and it's not just for the stressors, for the other circumstances that come, but for all of life, to live as one who is abiding. And how does he tell us this? What does it mean to abide? Well, he gives it to us in an extended word picture or metaphor, and it's that of the vine and of the branches. Look at John 15, verses 1 and 2. Jesus says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. This is Jesus' last I am statement in the Gospel of John. If you've gone through and you've studied before, you know that there are seven I am statements. And so Jesus, as he is working his way and getting to this last picture, it is loaded with Old Testament imagery. That especially as you're going through and reading from the prophet Isaiah, that he right here is taking this Old Testament image that God was the vine and to be a part, to be connected to the vine was to be a part of the people of God. And Jesus is now appropriating that metaphor and he is saying, I am the vine. And my father is the vine dresser. And those that are connected to me are now a part of the people of God. That it is no longer being a part of ethnic Israel, but it is now those who are in me, who are in Christ. And his father is the vine dresser. He's the one who takes care of, who tends to, who provides 
for the vine. And how does he do that? How does the father take care of the vine? Look at verse 2. Branches that do not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So you see, there are those branches that do not bear fruit that are taken away. But then the branches that do bear fruit, he prunes, he cuts back, he removes the fruit that it may bear more fruit. And here in John 15 too, we see this emphasis that the mark of Christian discipleship is connection to Jesus that leads to fruitfulness. You'll see it up on the screen. The mark of Christian discipleship is connection to Jesus that leads to fruitfulness. You see, God is going to take away the branches that are not bearing fruit, and the ones that are bearing fruit, he's going to cut back. And at first we're like, what? Does the, does the vine dresser have things wrong? Like, I mean, I thought having the fruit, the outward demonstration Right, The works that other people are able to see, benefit, profit from, be sustained by. That these works, I feel like those things would be good things. Why? He is cutting those things back. And it's really, really helpful, I think, here to get agricultural for a moment. Right Now, I don't have green thumbs, but I've read from people who do. Right, And as you're going through and as you are looking at the grape growers, they call themselves viticulturists, I guess because it sounds better than grape growers. Right? But if you go and if you hear from the viticulturists, and we might think that the best way to allow and to care for growth is just to let it grow wild and free, right? Just don't hinder it too much. If it's growing, it don't want to you know, outpace it. You don't want to cut it back. You don't want to hinder it. But a grapevine will never produce anywhere near its potential without being pruned, without being cut Back. If left to grow unattended, a vine or a fruit tree will produce lush foliage, large green leaves, but very little fruit. These grape growers, they practice several stages of pruning. There's pinching to remove the growing tip so it won't grow too rapidly, thinning the grape clusters that, so that the rest of the branch may bear, for, bear more fruit and better quality fruit. The vines are pruned in the fall or the winter so the main stock will have more advantageous growth and fruit. Do you get the picture? That these grapevines, young and budding and growing, that if left to grow unattended, the actual fruit that is produced could snap the branch off of the vine because the branch itself is not developed. If the branch grows too rapidly, then the fruit that it produces will snap the branch off. Yeah, I mean, just to be real, it's one of the reasons why we see so many folks in the celebrity Christian culture fall. I don't know. It's, I feel like it's every other month I'm hearing of some other, you know, high on the rise, meteoric pastor, ministry leader, something or other, young guy or gal falling away, moral failure, leaving the faith, becoming disenchanted with the world that they've helped to create. And why? A lot of times it is when young people who have tremendous gifting and are able to use them in such a way that it attracts a lot of folks and they're given the acclaim and the fame and that fruit continues to grow and grow, but the branch is not developed. It is not yielding itself to the vine dresser. It's not allowing itself to be pruned that the very weight of what they are trying to keep going ends up snapping them away. 
that we have right here this call that the branch must be strengthened by time on the vine so that it can support even more fruit in the long run. And y'all, it's a slow game. And that's hard for us, especially in this day and age, right? Like yesterday when Instagram and Facebook were down. I know people were feeling lost. What do I do? I don't know if y'all are like I am, but I have just this like little routine of apps that I visit on my phone, right? Like every time I open it up, it's like, okay, go to this one, okay. I, I didn't even realize that I did it until I would go over here to this app and then it wasn't working. And I remember when I didn't realize there was a worldwide outage down that I go through and I do all the things that you're supposed to do. I toggle airplane mode back off and on again, right? I go through, I do cellular data, switch from 5G to LTE, try to bump it down. I go through, I turn my phone back off and on again. I'm doing any and everything that I can. Refresh, refresh, refresh. If I open up a web page and it doesn't load up within three seconds, tap the status bar, go. Tap the status bar, go. It is hard for us to wait in this day and age of the instant. But God is working on agricultural time. And for a lot of us, you might be in a season of pruning right now that God might be cutting some of the fruit in your life back. You might have experienced some growth, seen some fruit in your life, but then it gets cut back. I know we got a lot of folks in here who did camp this summer. And it was an intense, concentrated season of spiritual growth and being able to invest in others and to see life change on a monumental scale. And then you come back to school. And you're in the day in and the day out grind. And you are wondering if God is here. You are wondering if you are doing what you are supposed to be doing. You're in a season of pruning right now. God cutting the fruit back. But he's not doing it because he's a vindictive vine dresser. He's not doing it because he just takes pleasure in being able to see the good things that we're able to do and the things that we enjoy being cut off. No, but he does it. Why? Look at the end of verse 2. That it may bear more fruit. But again, that's further down the line. That you are being pruned in ways and pruned in seasons right now that you will only be able to see, experience, or appreciate decades later. A lot of times, especially with folks where you're at right now, we get really discouraged when we play the comparison game, don't we? You know, it's been said before many times, you'll hear it again. Comparison breeds one of two things, pride or shame. Pride because you think you're better than the person you're comparing yourself to or despair or shame because you don't feel like you measure up to the person you're comparing to. It's also been said before that we tend to compare ourselves where we are right now to those who have been doing this for a very long time. Maybe it's to a worship leader. Maybe it's to a school teacher. Maybe it's to a mechanical engineer. You are comparing yourself to your parents' success, the things that they have, the things that they do, the acclaim. And I was encouraged this way many years ago. Don't compare your beginning to someone else's middle or end. Don't compare your beginning and the first steps that you are taking into life and adulthood and comparing it to someone else's middle or end that have been doing this for a very long time. And don't expect the instant to be pulled forward from all the way up there to where you are right now. Yo, this is something I see and feel and experience. And then I was really encouraged with those. Y'all hear me quote Tim, Tim Keller all the time. 
Presbyterian pastor up in New York City, Redeemer Presbyterian Church. But the thing about Tim Keller is a lot of folks love him, a lot of folks know him, a lot of folks have read him. He didn't plant that church until he was in his 50s. And there are a lot of young ministry-minded men and women who are wanting the big, wanting the influential, wanting the footprint very early. But what God is more interested in is working on agricultural time. He's more interested in who you were becoming than where you were going. And in the vine dresser who is taking care of your life, he is not afraid to prune. He is not afraid to cut back so that that fruit doesn't snap you away from the vine. And so as we go through, we see that God will prune, he'll give the growth, he will strengthen us, and he will cause the fruit to increase that it may bear more fruit. We abide. What does that even mean, abide? It means to remain, to be connected to, in the same way that if you were to look at the section of a vine and the branch, it's the intersection, what is holding the two together. If you look at the trunk of the tree and the branch offshooting, it is that which holds it together. It is remaining. It is staying. It is being vitally connected to the vine. In this word picture, it's being connected to Jesus. We pick it up in verse 3. He says, already you've been clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, there's this organic relationship that's occurring right here. You cannot manufacture this fruit. Right? You cannot will or speed up along this fruit. All that you can do is to remain, stay connected, abide in the vine. We abide in Christ and he abides in us. But it, it begs the question, Blake, that's great. But how? How do you do that? Because I don't necessarily go around using the word abide. I'm not really studying agriculture, you know, and all those other kinds of things. What does it mean? Like using this word picture, what is it pointing to? What is the reality that I'm supposed to be living into? How do I abide in Christ and how does Christ abide in me? Scripture shows us many ways, but there are three that I want to draw your attention to tonight that are rather obvious if you think about them in relational terms, Right? That we have folks, right, you know, in this particular season, if you are going, if you are dating, right, if you are in relationships, if you're getting more serious, if you're considering some of those kinds of things, what are the things that you need for a relationship to be able to work effectively, right? What are the things that you need? Well, if you go through, it's like, well, you, you need to communicate, right? You know, it's, that's why middle school relationships never work out. You know what I'm saying, right? If it's just that initial note that says, do you like me, yes or no, check, send back, you know, kind of thing, and then you become boyfriend, girlfriend, and you never talk to each other again, right? Y'all been in some of those relationships? You know, it's, hopefully they stay relegated to middle school, but like if you are not talking to the other person, if you are not listening to the other person, then you are not in a healthy relationship. You could be talking, 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 Right? But if you are not listening, if you are not receiving, if you are not understanding what the other person is saying, then it is a one-sided, unhealthy relationship. That there are these communicative acts, someone speaking and listening, sending and receiving, 
And then it's spending time together, right? And I realize it looks different in this day and age. I mean, you know, with my wife, she and I, we were long distance all of our time dating. And the first time that we lived in the same city was when we were married. It was crazy. But going through, I realize it looks different in spending time together, whether or not it's every day, whether or not it's every other weekend, whether or not it's for longer times, over the holiday breaks, different things like that. But really, if you look at it from relational terms, what do you need to have a successful to have an effective relationship? You need to be able to communicate. You need to be able to speak to and hear from the other person. And you need to spend time together. And if it is that way on a human level, then how much more so should it be from the lesser to the greater being in relationship with God? That for us to be able to speak to and to hear from God himself in this relationship. And so we see this. If, if you are in relationship with Christ, Christ, then what we've talked about is such a faint shadow of the reality of us abiding with God through the word and through prayer. It sounds so simple, y'all, but it doesn't get beyond this, that when we abide in Christ, when we remain in him and he in us, then we do it through the word and through prayer, through these pathways that he has laid out for us. That a lot of times we want something that is new. We want something that is fresh. We want something that is ultra-specific, custom-fit, tailored just for me and where I'm at right now. We want God to write it in the sky or to give me this extra-biblical revelation. We want for God to speak to us without realizing that God has already spoken to us and given us everything that we need for life and godliness, First Peter would say. And so as we come to God's Word, we see this in our passage tonight. Look at verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Oh, no, y'all, this, this is a text that's been cherry-picked out and made to mean something that it is never intended to mean. It's not just being able to say that you get your Amazon wish list if you pray it right here. Ask whatever you would, that God is some sort of cosmic genie that could give you your heart's desire, but praying... What this passage is saying is when you pray with a heart that is shaped by God's word, you will be praying the things that the Spirit is very pleased and has already promised to answer. When you are praying the scriptures, when you are abiding in Christ and his words are abiding in you, we see it in our passage tonight, but we also see it earlier in John. If we look back a few chapters at John eight thirty one, look at this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word... You are truly my disciples. So you hear from them. You speak to them. It's the same with the Lord. We hear from him in his word and we speak to him in prayer. And so as we're going through, when you're in relationship with someone, it's not just that you're talking and listening, not that you're just communicating here and listening and trying to understand here, but you seek to be around them, to enjoy their presence. And it's to a greater degree when abiding with God. And so we have this as an individual element and experience and then a collective, a corporate experience. On an individual level, what we're able to see, yes, 1 Corinthians 6 is true, that we are each temples of the Holy Spirit. That God's Holy Spirit now indwelling believers. But now what we are also able to see that in a corporate dimension, in a collective that we see, we abide with Christ through the fellowship with the church, the body of Christ. 
We look at this in a few places, 1 Corinthians 12 being one of them, one of the main ways. That as we see the picture of the vine and the branches, Paul over here is developing the image of that of the body and looking at the members of the body. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 12. He says, for just as the body is one and has many members, many parts, and all members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. That Christ is one body, but that has many parts here on the earth. You skip down to verse 27. Paul says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Y'all, it's the reason why in certain times of trial or hardship or suffering, maybe that you yourself have experienced or your family has, and you have been able to feel through the touch of, of a brother or sister in Christ or through a local church family, you've been able to feel the very touch of God. We are the body of Christ. And individually, we are members of it. And when we see, when we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, and when we have brothers or sisters in Christ texting us, calling us, praying for us, helping to hold us up when we feel like we're stumbling. It is a blessing from God. God has gifted us the church. And what a call to be able to step into. What a call to be obedient to as those who are a part of the church, who are a part of the body of Christ, coming to see not how can I be a recipient of religious goods and services, but how can I come and be an encouragement, exhort, help to hold up, spur each other on when we come and gather together as the church. Not just coming so that I can figure out what do I get out of it, but what am I coming to so that I can give to other people? It's the reason why the anonymous writer of Hebrews in chapter 10 would put it this way in verse 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I don't know if you all have seen the billboard on 65. Uh, it's the billboard that says, go to church or the devil will get you. Right? Have you all seen that? Oh my goodness. Yeah, y'all have seen that. It, it comes up every now and then on BuzzFeed and all that kind of stuff when people like to poke fun at the South and everything like that. I get that, but it, it is kind of a silly billboard. But when we're framing it from the negative, like go to church or the devil will get you, let you know the, pitch, the, you know, the points of the pitchforks are what's getting us in the doors, right? If we're framing it from the negative, then we're missing out on the tremendous blessing it is. We're not going to church so that the devil won't get us. But we go to church because of the blessing of God when we gather together with other believers. That when we have this encouragement, when we have this spurring on, when we have this sharpening, when we have this holding each other up, God is working in and through the midst of those people there. So when you're in relationship with someone, it's not only intentional time that you're with them that matters. It's not just when you're on a date with the other person. It's not just when you're spending a weekend or you're going home with a visit around their parents that you are acting like you are in a relationship with someone, right? Because if it was only those times when you were around the other person and then you were free to live however else you wanted to when you weren't, then that's not faithful. That's not staying true. You are not acting consistent with what is required in being in a relationship with that other person. 
In the same way, and to a greater degree, when abiding with God, when we abide with him through everyday circumstances, we do so as one who is loved. And so I tell you this, there's this inward, enduring, personal communion that we have. And it's not just in the times when we're reading our Bible in a devotion, right? It's not just in the car or between classes when we're walking and praying. It's not just when we have that playlist that, oh, goodness, it's just so good, right? And that we're playing all of the, it's playing all of our favorite worship songs. It's not just when we are gathered together at church, but then everything else, it's like all, all of that never existed. You see, but the very love that we have is one that endures through any and every circumstance of life. Because this is one thing that I want you to understand, that the love with which you are loved, if you are in Christ, is not some cheap, artificial, lifetime movie kind of love. But you are loved with the very love that the persons of the Trinity share for each other. The intra-Trinitarian love is the very love with which you are loved. The never stopping, never giving up, always and forever, unbreaking kind of love. Look at this in John 15, in this same passage that Sidney read for us. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. The very love that the Father has for the Son is the very same love that we are loved with by our Creator and our Redeemer. This is not some sort of fickle love. This is not some sort of fleeting love that is chasing whatever is new and novel and exciting, but it is the staying kind of love. It is the abiding kind of love. It is the faithful kind of love. And walking in this love, living as one who is loved, is demonstrated in obedience. We see this earlier, or just in the next verse, John 15, 10. Look at what Jesus says. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. You see, we would be foolish to neglect abiding in God's word, neglecting prayer, neglecting being a part of his body, and to go about our everyday circumstances as if we met with him at home and then never thought or talked about him after we left. You see, abiding with Christ is not congruent with compartmentalizing. Jesus is not interested in just being Lord over this particular part of your life or this particular part of your life or this little box or that drawer of your life over here. He is interested in being Lord of it all. And when we abide with him, abiding is all-encompassing. It changes what we pursue. It changes how we pursue it, and it changes why we pursue it. It changes what we pursue. Well, what do we pursue when we are abiding with Christ? Well, we, abiding with him, and, and spending time around people, do you notice that you start to become like those you surround yourself with? That sometimes you'll start using some of the same phrases. You'll start taking on some of the same mannerisms. You'll start enjoying some of the same things. You'll start spending your time in some similar ways. And for us, when we are abiding, when we are remaining, when we are staying with the Lord, then his ways will become our ways, that we are walking in ways that he walked in. So he is working towards the kingdom. And so it changes what we pursue. And we're not pursuing, we're not content to be making our own little kingdoms and building up things in the sand, things that are going to burn up, things that are not going to last. We are pursuing eternal things. But it's not just in what we pursue, it's in how 
Because in the same way, what we could do is we could take on an apathetic approach. Oh, yeah, God's going to build it. I'm just along for the ride. Or we could take the aggressive approach. It's all on me. I've got to get this done. I've got to work tooth and nail. I've got to grind it down. I've got to go, go, go. Neither of those approaches honor the Lord. But it changes how we work, and it is from a place of abiding. It is being in the presence of God and living all life before him. And then it changes why. It changes why we pursue these things. And the why, it changes the why to being not for the glory of self, but for the glory of God. For his name, not mine. For his reputation, not mine. For his sake, not mine. Because you see, it is possible to produce a degree, to get an extra bullet point on your resume, or to cash paycheck after paycheck in your own strength and still be fruitless. It was Jim Carrey, the comedian, right? I mean, goodness gracious, that guy's hilarious. It was Jim Carrey who said this, I wish that everyone could become rich and famous and get everything that they ever wanted so that they could know with firsthand experience that it wouldn't be enough. He said, I wish that you could get everything that your heart desires so that you could realize that it will never be enough. It is possible to gain the world, to get everything that you want, and yet lose your very soul in the process. You can give yourself to these lesser things, but I'm here to tell you, these other things will not last, and they might provide some passing, some fleeting pleasure or acclaim, but it will never be enough. It will never be enough until you realize that you don't have to earn your place at the table. And this is the beauty of the gospel, that Jesus wants to remain with you. That Jesus wants to abide with you. Jesus wants to be with you. Not in a boyfriend kind of way. Not in a girlfriend kind of way. But how the Lord of all creation saw fit to kill your sin and to save you in the process. To remove the dividing wall of hostility between you and him and you and the people around you. So that you could be Together, his desire is to abide with you. I am here to call you. Abide with him. Stop giving your life to lesser things. Stop giving your life to things that will be here today and gone tomorrow. Give yourself to something that will outlast you. Something that is bigger than you. Something that is beyond you in your own interests. And to walk and to pursue the one who has come to abide with us. So we, see, we shouldn't neglect abiding with him in the everyday. But I'm just going to tell you, it can be hard. Things get busy. I know. I've lived it. I'm there right now. But for us, it is absolutely imperative not in a legalistic kind of way that, oh, you didn't do your quiet time today. Well, God's going to bring the hammer down on you. 
but for your lasting joy, for the sustaining grace in your life, God has made himself available. He has laid out for us in his word ways that we can remain in him and he in us, being with him in his word, being with him in prayer, being with him in the body of Christ, the church. And it can be really hard on breaks. For our Sanford folks, you guys have a break that's upcoming. And it can be very easy when you're out of routine, out of rhythm, if you're going back home or if you're traveling or doing something else. I know it can be really difficult to be able to find that time to be with the Lord. And don't feel guilty, but get creative with it. Figure out different ways for you to remain connected, to stay, to abide in Christ for these upcoming days. And so I, w- I would just encourage you with this. If you're like, I don't know how to begin to do that, then this isn't for everyone, but maybe this is for you. Take just a half a day over this Saturday, Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday. Take just half a day and give some intentional thought to how you will spend it and how you can be encouraged by the Lord and his word in prayer and being with people. I encourage you, if if you're looking for a place to start, live in the Psalms. Go through. Start in Psalm 1. Try to do Psalms 1 through 5. Read through those Psalms. Pray through those Psalms. And be vitally connected. Meet up with an old friend. Meet up with a youth pastor that you had in high school. Meet up with that small group leader. Meet up with this person. Be, go back and visit your home church. Find ways over these days. And then when you come back, give some intentional thought, not just to your class schedules and to the things that are dictated for you, but how you are going to schedule and how you are going to prioritize the most important things, the things that will not just be here today and gone tomorrow, but the things that will be lasting for forever. You see, there are going to be times and there are going to be seasons that are hard. There are going to be seasons of pruning, but I encourage you, abide, stay, remain, avoid apathy, avoid aggression, and draw life and joy and obedience from your relationship with Christ. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these other things will be added unto you. Pursue these things from an abiding relationship with Christ, not trying to earn a place at the table, but realizing what is already yours and then doing this not for the glory of self, but for the glory of God, that he and that he alone will be magnified. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we... We confess the times where we try to do these things in our own strength, where we try to produce the fruit, where we try to produce the external markers of faithfulness or things that could elevate us in the sight of others, God. We, we know that your word is true, that apart from you, that we can do nothing. And so, God, tonight, together, we say that we will remain, that we will stay connected to, that we will draw vibrant life and sustenance from you, Christ. Pray that you'd help us when everything would seek to lead us away, when other things would come and distract us from the ultimate, God, would you help us to abide? Would you help us to remain? And would you help us to stay? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Oxano Podcast. 
If you want more information on the songs that we sing at Oxano, you can find us on Spotify at Oxano Songs We Sing. If you have more questions about what it means to follow Jesus or about next steps in following Him, please email us at connect at dawsonchurch.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.